cried. Keith took a cautious sip. Hot and delicious. So what do you know that I don't? Rudy said, facing Keith now, leaning his big hands on the counter to get the weight off his leg. Did I tell you Kate got accepted in the film school at UCLA? Rudy said, not counting the last twenty times? And Keith grinned. Gonna miss her, huh? Sure am, Keith said. But it's long overdue. She's a gifted writer. The script she just finished? Loved it. It's a blend of crime, science fiction, and black comedy that's really got legs. But she needs maturing, not to mention the exposure. Her work needs to be seen. No way she's going to get all that up here in Sudbury. Besides, the last thing I want is to see her hanging around town just to keep her old man company. Brave words, Keith thought, picturing life without her and not liking it much. Cancer had taken his wife when Kate was six, a protracted, painful death, and he and Kate had been pretty much inseparable ever since. They shared a duplex on Howie Drive, living modestly but in comfort, the last mortgage payment made three years ago. She needs to be where the action is, Keith said. It's the nature of that business. I hear you, Rudy said, but look at the bright side. Come September, you can party every night till she makes it big. Then move down to California and sponge off her the rest of your life. Fraternize with the help. There's that, Keith said, putting his cup down, a storm warning on the TV catching his attention. Rudy followed his gaze, saying, More snow. Can you believe it? Keith glanced out the storefront window. I don't buy it, he said. He'd walk to Rudy's as he always did, the winter sun warm on his face, no hint from his joints about lousy weather but in the Canadian North, you never could tell. He took another sip of his coffee, then got his reading glasses on and fished his wallet out of his parka, the weather forgotten. Gotta check my numbers, he said. Rudy spoke to his back as he made his way to the lottery display. You hear about how he trembles, kid? Keith said, the mental defective? And dug a sheath of tickets out of his wallet, checking them against the posted winning numbers. Eh, the very one. The coppers caught him up at Bell Junior High yesterday, poking his wares through the cyclone fence for the amusement of the teeny boppers. When the dopey bastard tried to run, his Johnny froze to the fence like a wet tongue. Son of a bitch got a free circumcision. Rudy's voice faded to a drone in Keith's brain. Every neuron suddenly focused on the apparent enigma that now appeared before his eyes. There were three sets of two-digit numbers on the ticket in his hand, six numbers in each set. The series in the first sets were nowhere close to the winning numbers, no confusion there. But what utterly fouled Keith's normal line of perception was the fact that the third set matched the winners exactly. The right numbers, the right order, the right lottery, the right date. Keith realized he wasn't breathing. He commanded his lungs to inflate, but in the same instant, his gaze ticked on the dollar value attached to this draw, and his throat sealed off completely. God in heaven, he thought. I'm going to die before I can spend a dime. Then Rudy's voice came through. Keith, you okay? And his lungs admitted a thin slip of air. Rudy came around the corner in a hurry, certain his old friend was having a coronary. Keith's usually placid face was beet red, the veins in his neck standing out like cables. But before Rudy had closed half the distance, Keith darted past him in the opposite direction, almost bowling him over. Jesus, Rudy, move your ass. I gotta call Katie.
He grabbed the phone behind the counter and punched in the number, staring wide-eyed at Rudy as it rang, holding the ticket up for Rudy to see. Ten million bucks, old buddy, Keith said. Ten million bucks. To avoid the congestion of the main streets, Kate Whipple had mapped out an alternate route to the head office. It took her through a maze of residential streets narrowed by snowbanks and illegally parked cars. The big van barely squeaked through in places, but it suited her temperament better than the ill-mannered bumper-to-bumper grind of morning traffic. She sometimes felt that all the really shitty drivers in the country had been secretly exiled to her hometown, then encouraged to procreate. Elvis doing I'll Be Home for Christmas came on the radio, the king's rich voice bringing a mist of tears to Kate's eyes. Bugger, she said softly and laughed. She turned the radio up a notch and wiped her eyes. Kate loved Christmas. Everything about it.